Again, praise God. God is so good. Praise God. Let's go ahead and start with prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you and we give you praise. We give you glory. We're so thankful to be your children. We're so thankful to have your favor and the privilege of heaven. We just bless you today, Lord, and give you all the glory and pray that you would touch each heart, each soul that's here. Lord, just be a, just ever present, Lord, today and just touch our hearts and our minds and our spirits. We give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Today's lesson is called The Twelve Spies. And I couldn't find my little um, uh, study book that everyone gets. And they have so many good little questions and so many good little prompts. So I'm using the teacher's manual and um, adding to that a little. And when I found this this week in the email, if you ladies have any of the emails from our organization for prayer, ladies' prayer. This is so fitting, and I just got it, what, two days ago? And it was from Sister Laura Tracy, and she says, prayer first, and her article says, as I've been writing this article, I've received messages from Christian friends fretting about situations in their lives. When I asked them if they had talked to God about it, almost all of them replied, no. I didn't even think of that. Then, I know, isn't that horrible? Uh, then I felt compelled to share my testimony of how I learned to pray first. And this really segues into our lessons so nicely. For many years, I, was faced, I faced obstacles. I quickly came up with solutions on my own. I thought I knew what the problem was and how to fix it. But my actions usually made the problems worse. And I finally began to turn to the Lord in desperation. Does that sound familiar to any of us? He patiently began to show me that if I would seek him first and only act or speak at his direction, he would release his power into my situation. I stood back and watched in amazement at how God worked. In the word, I noticed that Jesus, the son of God, was the only human without sin, and yet he prayed before doing anything. He prayed before starting his day, Mark 1, 35. Making decisions, Luke 6, 12. Beginning his ministry, Matthew 4, 1 through 2. Performing miracles, John eleven forty one, Matthew 14, 23. Going through his great trials, Matthew 6, 42. And teaching others, Luke 9, 18. He prayed first. Jesus showed us that those who pray first not only fulfill their godly purpose, but also alleviate much of the anxieties of life. Before missionaries, the Freemans, went to Africa, another minister, and I've heard this story before, and it's, it, it's just amazing. Another minister wanted to um, build them a brand new home, free of charge for the Freemans. Thank you so very much, the Brother Freeman said. Um, would like to pray about it. So he went to God and prayed about it. He said, I'm sorry, but the Lord said, no, we're not able to accept the gift. And the minister agitatedly asked why, since it was of no cost to them. But Brother Freeman told the man that he didn't know, but he had heard from God, and he knew that this home would have been a temptation during their difficult time in Africa. Isn't that so amazing? 
But what would have happened if Brother Freeman had not prayed first? Think of the souls that would not have been saved as a result of their ministry. And then she goes on to say, Second Chronicles 16.9 has become a beautiful beacon for my life. The message spoken to the backsliding king who forgot to pray first continues to inspire me. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. What a glorious promise when we pray first. Praise, praise God. And that segues so nicely into today's lesson. We're going to primarily look at the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And our key verse today is Numbers 13 and 30. Such a profound, positive statement. And it says, And Caleb stilled or quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it talking about the land of Canaan, for we are well able to overcome it. Praise God. God wants to, today, like he did back then, reveal his promise to us. But there's something that we have to do. We have to act and live in faith and say, Lord, I want to see those promises. I want to live those promises. I want to breathe those promises. Amen? So I'm here to tell you today, that God is bigger than whatever you're facing. Whatever 2023 has put before you, God is bigger. Amen. Praise God. He is bigger. And you know what? I want to choose today to seize the promises that he has for me, for this church, for our community. And, you know, perhaps it's easier said than done. Okay, I'm going to seize the promises of God. But there are times when we get hit with something in our face, literally like, dog slapped. You know, we just get slapped. It's like we have to dig deep into our faith wells. The things that we have done and purposed as, as our spiritual disciplines, we have to dig deep and say, Lord, I'm digging deep into that well today. I need you. I need to trust you more today. Today, I may not be feeling well today. Today, I may not have my family all living for God. Today, my neighbor has a problem. So-and-so in my community that I love very much has a serious terminal disease. But God, I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to dig deep and believe that you are God. You are God. You are God then, and you're God today. Praise God. Praise God. And my prayer is that through this series, that it'll help us to step into a place of promised victory that God has promised us. If I a little calmer. My voice doesn't sound so horrible. Praise God. But not just for, not just for me, not just individually, but for our church and for our community, because faith is so contagious. It just is a little tiny fire. It's a little tiny spark. And one of us gets it. I tell you what, someone else, you, you may not, you may see it first, but you may feel it. You feel it and it grows and it's like, wow, I want to be around someone who has faith. It feels good. It feels good. Because they seem to have a positive direction, a positive purpose look. They're looking towards the Lord, and they're not looking at the obstacle. They're not looking at the stuff. They're not looking what's, at what's wrong. Oh, my roof is leaking. Oh, you know, whatever it is. You know, and that gets all of the attention. The sickness gets all of the attention. But you know what? I was like, no, <laughs> this, this sickness is not getting all the attention. <laughs> Praise God. You know, we can compare our 
exercising of our faith with our daily discipline of exercise. We're all different. We may choose to do, and we do choose to do different things. Walking is pretty much my primary exercise. But some people do strength training. They, um, they stretch. They do a lot of stretching and endurance, and some people here would have more insight on that. But just like we stretch our muscles and stretch physically, sometimes life doesn't let us choose what we're going to stretch in our faith life. Sometimes life doesn't let us choose. We'd like to choose because guess what? We'd pick the same thing every time. <laughs> because I got that. I'm good at that. I can do that. But what happens when life hits you with something that you've never seen before? And you're like, man, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I know. <laughs> we can get into the word and we can trust God. We can look through eyes of faith and we can have faith to believe like Mary like Jeremiah, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything that he cannot do? Let us open our faith minds in 2023. Praise God. He is sovereign. He is able to do all things. He's control of all things. He does all things well, absolutely everything. We are his children. And as his children, we have a special privilege. We are highly favored. His as his children. Just like your children have special privileges in your home, they have special privileges. They don't ask to go look through the refrigerator or the cupboards or your storage, your storage units or whatever it is. They don't ask. It's their privilege. You, you're, you're their parent. You give them this open invitation. We have this open invitation from God. Praise God. I sense that something is happening in the Sunday school area, right? I sense that we may have two spies coming up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. It's so nice that we all have similar lessons upstairs and downstairs. Praise God. I think that may have been Caleb and Joshua. <laughs> praise God. Oh, praise God. Oh, wow. Uh, you know what? We may not get to pick what we get to exercise our faith on in our lives with God, but guess what? That's how we grow. And growth is, when you were growing as a child, my son had some pains. He had some growth pains. I think the child grew really fast, and he'd be hurting a lot. And I know in the spirit, we grow in faith. There are some pains. Take your pain to the Lord. Don't just hunker down and try to do it by yourself and say, I've got this. It's okay. I can do it. I'm strong enough. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not strong enough. You are not emotionally, physically, or mentally strong enough without the Word of God. The Word of God is going to give you the strength to endure and get through. Praise God. So as Christians, we can choose to live a life of faith and thus victory. Praise God. Or we can just live a life of fear, which a couple, ten of these spies, lived in some fear, and they never got to see the promises of God. I want to see the promises of God. Praise God. I really do. Think about it. Fear is such an opposing force to Christians. Fear is really something the adversary uses against us. So as blood 
bought born-again Christians, we ought to say, I will not fear. You know what? We should not tolerate fear. When you're sick at home and fear comes in, when your family has, is going through something and fear comes in, chase it out as soon as its little heels enter. It's gone. It's got to be gone. We have got to plead the blood of Jesus over fear because Satan loves torment and fear torments. And that's what he uses, one of his avenues. And when you're down, guess what? He'll give you a couple good kicks. Don't take it. <laughs> Don't take it. The devil would love for us just to grip onto that fear and lose sight of God. And that's exactly what happens in so many cases. It's the fear is so gripping. That's all I can see is this problem, this obstacle, this sickness, this sorrow, this sadness. You know what? Satan's like, ha, 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 ha. You know, but you know what? God help us not to lose sight of what is important. The one true God, serving him, loving him, worshiping him, desiring him. And you know what? That he holds every, every moment, every moment. He holds, when you're sick, he holds you every moment. When you have family and friends that are not doing well and they've been given a diagnosis, I say that because some are, some change, you know, let's just trust God. Let's trust God and have faith that God has got it. And our adversary would love so much for us to just fear, let it consume us, die to it, just die in it. That's what he wants. And that's what people are doing is they're dying in their fear. Every hour, every day, God is with us. Do not be afraid. He is for us. So we get to our story today. We're following the journey of the children of Israel. So they had been delivered from Egypt. And I just want to give you a base. So Exodus 3, chapters 7 and 8 says that the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. He hasn't changed today for us in 2023. So this is what the Lord said. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land that flows with milk and honey. Praise God. So God tells Moses, he said, he's going to take the Israelites out of Egypt and bring them into a land of their very own, a wonderful land, a great land, and so after much convincing, all of us that have heard this story many times, we know that Pharaoh finally relents and lets the people go. This begins this wonderful, exciting journey to the promised land. So this is the very beginning. But the journey wasn't easy. And the things came up along the way. But God provided. God provided. They were trapped by the sea. What happened? God parted the Red Sea. They were hungry. God miraculously provided food for them. They were thirsty. God miraculously provided water. Even though they did not know which way to go, God led them with a pillar, a cloud. God gave them a pillar of fire by night. Praise God. And you know what? These people were being led by God to the promised land. That's where they were going. They were so excited. How many of you were ever excited about your first home purchase? You're like, oh my, I can't wait. I'm going to live in this great place. It's my new home. It's everything I've ever wanted. 
and you're on your journey's way, they're probably so excited, so excited that they're going to this place, this promised land. So today we pick up our story in Numbers 13. We've got, after hundreds of years of slavery and many days in the wilderness, God continued to provide for the children of Israel. The people finally were at the entrance of the promised land, pretty much. They're looking like God provided this for us, and we're going to have our own land. Praise God. And I thought of that song for all of you fellow Canadians. This land is our land. This land is your land. From the Bonavista to Vancouver Island. Do you know it? Do you know it, brother? Do you know it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, this land. We're Americans. I know you are. I am too. Praise God. But they probably had a, they probably had a song. This land is my land. They're so excited. They're just like, we're here now. So Moses instructed the people to check it out. And he sends 12 spies. And these spies were 12 of the leaders of the tribes of Israel. Folks, I want to say that again. They were 12 of the leaders of the tribes. 12 leaders. Okay. Wanted to know what they were up against. Help us, Lord. So in Numbers chapter 13, verses 1, and I'll just kind of paraphrase through um, verse 3. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From, east, from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Okay, we got that. So the Lord com commanded Moses to send out from the desert of Paran, all of them that were leaders in Israel. Going down to verse 17. And when Moses sent them to spot, to sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and into the hill country and see what the land is like, whether the people that, who live there are strong or they're weak or they're few or they're many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? How are the towns that they live in? Are they unwalled? Are there no walls around them? Are they fortified? Do they have walls around them? How is the soil? Is it fertile? Is it poor? Are the trees good or bad? He had all these questions. He says, do your best and bring back some of the fruit from the land because it was a season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land, 21. And verse 23, when they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. If you've bought some grapes recently at, I think, Fred Meyer's, they're ginormous. And then I thought, how big were those grapes from the promised land? I mean, how big were they? Were they like the size of mandarin oranges? I don't know. But the ones I got were literally, I'm not kidding you. You know how fishermen exaggerate? They were seriously that big. <laughs> they were huge. They were huge. So the place was called the Valley of Eshgal because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. And verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So verse 26. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community. And they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. 
27. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruits. Here are the fruits. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. That's the race of giants that Goliath, remember he fought, um, David killed Goliath from that descend, that group of people. The Amalekites live near the Negev, the Hittites, the Jezebites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. And that's where we have our key verse at the very beginning, 30, 30. And Caleb shushed or silenced the people before Moses, and he said, we should go up and take it and possess the land, for we certainly can do it. We certainly can do it. But the men had gone, who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. They are spread among the Israelites, and they spread a bad report among the Israelites. And they said that the land that they had explored devours those living in it. Wow. Sounds like Satan today, really. All the people we saw there were of great size. And we saw the descendants of Anak again there. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our eyes. And we looked the same to them. That's the report they gave. And that night, chapter 14, verse 1, all the members of the community raised their voices. All the members of the community raised their voices and cried and whined. And the Israelites grumbled against Moses, against Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, get this, after everything they saw in their, on their journey so far, after everything, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is, this Lord, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. Thank God for a good leader here. Then Moses and Aaron fell down upon their face before the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land that flows with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only, he said, do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Well, everything that they said was true regarding the goodness of the, the land that they had spied out and looked. This beautiful report. God, they had this beautiful fruit that they brought back. And the Moses and the others were probably so excited when they first saw it. And they carried that cluster of grapes between two men on a pole. 
But then the spies had another word that they added to their report. And I know many sermons have been preached on the, that word. But. But. The people who live there are very powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. Church, you're going to have things in your lives that are coming against you, faith-wise. And you're going to say, don't, don't be like this report. Don't say, but. But this or that. God is more powerful. He is stronger. He is stronger and he is able. Their faith, if they had whatever faith they had at that moment, when they said that word, but, just, it probably bottomed out. And everybody else around them, our words really do play a, have a great effect, not only on ourselves. We speak to ourselves in spiritual songs and hymns, and we have to lift ourselves up like David had to many times. We, we will in this walk with God. But then to share it with so many people, so many nations, tribes of people, and just spread that doubt, uh, unbelievable. So the camp is now divided. And the ten spies who say that they can't take the land, but there are two spies that say, we can take it. Praise God. Praise God. So they play, the ten spies played this dangerous game of exaggeration. They started exaggerating how it really was there. And what they did was they scared the people. I'd like to say that that's the way the enemy works with us too. He exaggerates what is against us and he scares us. And that's where fear comes in. That's where we do not want to ever live a day in Satan's fear where he's threatening us and telling us lies and scaring us with exaggerations. And that's basically what happened here. They lost sight of God, and now only the only thing they could see is the obstacle, giants, fortified cities. We can't take these people. It's too much. They lose sight of God. They see the obstacle. Remember the words of Jeremiah 20, 32 through 27? He said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there nothing too hard for thee? And Jeremiah says, so I say to you, God, God's power, honestly, is limitless. And thus his purpose is secure. There is no promise too hard for him to keep. Praise God. He keeps his promises. Praise God. So after that report of the spies, the people of Israel start to have some serious doubt, of course. They were very scared. They didn't want to die by the sword. They begin to forget about God's promises. They begin to forget about God's miracles that they had seen. Help us, Lord. God's promises are secure. They're yea and amen. There is no promise too hard for him. Praise God. But what they saw themselves as is little grasshoppers, just small and insignificant. And then they said, that's how they see us too. We're small. That's how they see us. They started, it's a mind game. <laughs> it's a mind game. They started playing this. Caleb and Joshua, they compared the giants to God. And they said, we will devour them. Their perspective was God. When we look at God as our companion and as our source, when we look at the obstacle, we say, 
We might say we can devour it, but I know for a fact that God will and can devour it. And it was a matter of perspective. Caleb and Joshua knew that God was with them. They had remembered the promises. They remembered the miracles. And I, I don't doubt for a moment that during all of that, they sat around a campfire and said, remember the time God brought us food. Remember the time he provided water. Remember the time he parted the Red Sea. Remember the time, look at our, our clothing. Look, they never wore, our shoes never wore out. We have to say, you know, just all these blessings after blessings. Think about the obstacles in our lives, and this is hard, as being an opportunity for us to trust God. We say, Lord, I want to trust you. Lord, I want to be stronger in my faith. Lord, and God will allow certain things to happen in your life so that you can be stretched a little bit, maybe a lot. Stretched, you grow. And guess what? The next time something happens, you are so much stronger. You are so much more able to reach into that pocket of faith and say, Lord, you're with me. You're for me. You've got me. I'm yours. I'm your child. I have favor. You know what? I have, I have a place with the king of king. I have his ear. I have his presence, his power, his anointing. You start talking like that, and the things that the devil's trying to tell you grow dimmer and dimmer and more quiet. And after a while, you don't even hear them. It's like, who? What? <laughs> and that's how it should be. We should not give ear to the devil. Unfortunately, the nation of Israel did not listen to Caleb and Joshua. They chose to be afraid and cry and disobey. So their disobedience caused them as a nation to wander in a wilderness for 40 years until the next generation, get this, get this, the next generation was able to inherit the promised land. What did that next generation see? What did they have in their hearts? What were they? Were they remembering the miracles and the promises of God? They would be led by Joshua and Caleb into the promised land. And it all came down to placing their trust in God. Think about it. We have that choice every day. When we wake up, we put our feet on our nice soft rug beside our bed, stretch our toes and say, Lord, thank you for another day that I get to serve you and worship you and you get to be my God, and I'm your child. <laughs> Praise God. You know what? To have the faith of Joshua, who said this in Joshua 24, 15, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord purposing something in his heart. If there's a challenge you're facing today, I pray that you're facing it with Jesus Christ and not in your own strength and saying, I'm scared, I can't do it, the obstacle's too big. Let him be that. Let him be your God. He's God. Remember that he is bigger than whatever you're facing. So this story, Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity, into miraculous, into promise, has been probably one of the most noticeable, notable stories that we'll ever hear about. You know, when you pick stories out of the whole Bible, you're going to hear this story.
Think about the great faith that those children of Israel had to have when they first, imagine us, when they first seen that the Red Sea was parted and they had to take a step on that dry ground and they had to see the walls of water on each side. Imagine their faith. I mean, it didn't say that 10 or 15 of them ran back to Egypt. They all went through, all. It's praise God. And there is something in numbers with our faith being united, fortified together, going forward. And he wants to show us blessings. He wants to show us promise. So the energy level of the people from each of those tribes, as they entered, as their leaders entered into the promised land, must have been so great, so high, so excited. And we know that their faith was founded upon um, things like um, their father, Abraham. Abraham, in Hebrews chapter 11 and 8, it says, Abraham, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. Um, that says a lot, doesn't it? Because we have opportunities to step out in faith, and we don't know where it's going to take us. We're like, ooh, ooh, maybe, you know, we do the practice of breathing or whatever. But you know what? He, he had faith, and he went not even knowing where he was going to end up going. Praise God. Our faith journeys, our lives, will take us to places sometimes we cannot see around the corner. When we were in Hawaii, there are um, parts of the island on the northern part and the southern part. There are places where the corners are so sharp that there's signs that say, honk your horn, so that the oncoming person around the corner knows that you're coming. And I thought, man, if we have to honk our horn, Lonnie, I don't know if I want to drive this road. And after a short while, with his vertigo, etc., and all of this um, tailgating that there was going on, we turned around. We're like, no, we're done on this road. But in saying that, trusting God and having faith in God, we're going to have some corners that we're going to come up against. And maybe there's no horn honking going on the other side. We don't know what's coming around the other side, but God does. He does. So we can't see what's on the other side sometimes, but we know the one who is around every corner with us. Praise God. Praise God. So imagine the excitement of Abraham's descendants on that day. That day, joy as each tribe was sent, sending their leader to check out this land. Imagine, Scott, imagine God's desire that day for everybody. He must have been so excited. This is a land that I prepare for them. I promise them. I'm giving them. I told them I'm giving them this land. You know what? It had taken a long time for God to build a foundation of the nation that he promised Abraham. But that time had finally come, and it was there. And that beautiful experience, and not beautiful at times, of going through the wilderness, the slavery before that, but God's timing is perfect. God's way is always best. It is right. It is good. It is profitable. He does things for us, for our good and the good of others. He blesses us. He blesses others. Um, 
how many over the years even you know just all of those beautiful experiences and promises and God was preparing somebody a nation people and here we are today praise God for that praise God um, God's so good <clears throat> our our Heavenly Father just like every parent he hopes that we will be strong healthy using our faith living victorious overcoming experience miracles just like parents we want to have our we want our children to have the very best we want them to have all i mean the resources do better than we did but along the way parents will show and share their promises um of you know you we have a land and we have we have land and house and one day when we are gone our children will inherit but there's blessings that come and promises and then we teach our children how to use that for the glory of God God had been doing that for the children of Israel there's promises coming there's blessings coming just trust me be obedient trust me so just like we share with our children and teach them about blessings and benefits God is he still is teaching us today and so many of them are in his word and so many of them, when you lose sight of them, I know that sometimes we get busy, but just even going through them and reading them and putting your name and injecting your name, you know, into whether it's Isaiah 41 and 10, um, just promises of healing and wellness and victory in your life. Praise God. The unfaithful spies. You know what? They expressed disbelief. Now we have, and I love history. <laughs> this is a little history story. I love history. Um, when Hernan Cortez and his men arrived in Veracruz, Mexico in 1519, he told them to burn the boats. Familiar phrase, right? They had one goal, conquest. The story is told upon his arrival that he ordered his men to burn their ships. He did not want to lead these men into challenges that they thought they had a way to escape and get out of, go back in the ships and go back. He understood that humanity's nature, tendency, is to lose courage in the face of adversity. So he ordered them to burn the ships. And I think of that song, King and Country, um, Burn the Ships. If you haven't heard it, it's really good. <laughs> So before they left their journey, the, the 12 spies were commissioned to be of good courage. They had a charge, be of good courage. The things they witnessed during their journey, it was amazing. The things they saw there was everything, everything God had promised them, everything. And he said that he was giving it to them. They brought back a testimony to the, of the land that was flowing with milk and honey. They came toting their big old grapes, their figs and pomegranates. However, the 10 spies returned after 40 days and they were looking for the boats. They were looking for a way of escape. They did not want to go back there and take that land. They did not want to put in the effort. They just did not want to do it. Although they had seen with their own two eyes the promised land, I just can't wrap my head around it. They seen everything that God had promised them. They seen it. 
Their hopes were literally drowned in that sea of fear and disbelief. They could not believe that they could take the land, take the people. So they were actually looking for a trail back to Egypt. Wow. God help us. You know, we all come from a place of Egypt, right? Slavery, bondage to the world. God help us. This story just shows so many parts of our walk with God. So think about it. When they were blinded by the challenges, they were blinded by the challenges that they saw and the obstacles rather than being motivated by faith and what God had already done and shown them. Wow. So as with courage, fear and disbelief, fear and disbelief are contagious. So is courage contagious. So is faith contagious. So that negative report from the 10 spies trickled down and it affected everybody. They all cried and whined and stayed up that night, couldn't sleep because they were crying. <laughs> I want to go back to the slavery. <coughs> Man, think of how our thoughts affect us. Man, Luke 6.45 tells us that the, the, good per, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. This is the key, the scripture part that we all know. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? In their heart, they had let fear grow. It had gripped them. Um, Proverbs 18.21 tells us, reminds us that the tongue has the power of life and death. Our words are so powerful. Church, our words are so powerful to each other, to our families, to our community. They're so powerful. And especially if they are filled with faith and mingled with just a bunch of Holy Ghost, I tell you what, it makes such a difference. It changes, it changes perspective. It changes hope and faith levels in someone else, it, it, it's really a miracle. It's a miracle that we have this gift that we're able to use. Seeing through God's eyes. I'm coming to a close here. We must see through God's eyes. We can do this by reading his word. Praise God for everyone starting a brand new year of Bible reading. And family members of mine are so excited because they found super awesome Bible apps that have allowed them to read through, and it kind of challenges them a little bit. And I'm like, they're like sharing it with me. I said, man, I've got to read so that I get the whole story. I, I just want to continue reading the whole story. They're jumping from Genesis, Matthew, Psalms, Proverbs, and then one other book. I'm like, okay, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, get the word in, because you'll, you'll feel and notice a difference. Praise God. So the word of God and just being in prayer will help our faith grow. Being in Sunday school helps our faith grow because per perspective is very powerful. And when you have the resources of God's word in your pocket, the faith, and you've got those experiences that God has brought you through, and you can remind yourself and others, you know what? You become strong, stronger, and you're able to help others become strong and stronger. Praise God. And as we close, let me just give you share share the scripture praise god 
I, I opened with a lot of talk about fear and how Satan uses that fear. James 4, 7 says, God has promised us that if we submit to him ourselves, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. We, we have to do something first, and that's submitting to God. And I think that's what Caleb and Joshua, Jacob, I'm sorry, Joshua did. They submitted to God first. They remembered his promises. They gave themselves to that. They didn't look at the obstacle and say, oh, we're dead. <laughs> we can't do it. But the others did. So I just want to encourage you today to dig deep in 2023. When the obstacle comes, and it will, whenever it comes, dig deep and just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I'm going to dig deep into my spiritual pockets, and I'm just going to pull from whatever resources I've just been, you know, your Bible, your daily Bible reading, your daily prayer, your daily um, Christian um, devotions. Just draw from those. Draw from your pals here at church. Send a text to someone. Say, man, this is a rough day or it's a rough week. Can you pray for me? Can you partner pray prayer with me? Um, it means so much, and it makes us stronger together. Praise God. God bless you. Today as we celebrate Jesus Christ, so happy to be in the house of God. Praise God. <laughs>